our statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hero. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of John, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, you'll find these words, New Living Translations. The Bible says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded in this book. So that means that there are some things that John did not record, but Jesus did. He says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing in Jesus, you will have life by the power of So I don't understand why it's so hard to call on him. If your life and your power is connected to him, then you got to know how to call on his. See, John wasn't writing this just for historical purposes. He wasn't writing this for entertainment purposes. He was writing it because he wanted the believers to know and understand the relationship that they have with Jesus. And in this, he said, you got to hold on to three things. One, you got to believe that Jesus is the... Then you got to believe that he is the... And then by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So if you're not having life today, maybe you don't have power. Maybe you're not calling on the right... Y'all may be seated. Y'all may be seated. This is going to be our fifth and final sermon in the series that we've entitled Jesus the Protagonist. Y'all ought to know about what that means by now because, you know, we've been trying to make it clear. But it has been my goal to look at what the Apostle John recorded from Jesus' own words that let us know that he is the central figure of our Christian faith. The good news of the gospel is all about Jesus. He is the anointed Savior of the world. Amen? I'm going to give you these definitions for protagonist one more time. It is the, the protagonist is the principal or main character in a story or literary work. Somebody say the star. The protagonist make key decisions that affect the plot, primarily influencing the story and propelling it forward. The protagonist often face the most significant obstacles in the story, and the figure of person that caused those obstacles or put up that opposition is called the antagonist. Amen? And so we say that Satan is the antagonistic force. His demonic spirit is that antagonistic force. And we're going to see throughout the lesson that we've been teaching is that the religious leaders came against Jesus because they were antagonistic against the message that he brought. Now this definition of protagonist is something that you ought to be able to relate to in your own life because it says the protagonist is the advocate. Somebody say advocate. Is the leader. Somebody say leader. Somebody say champion. So the protagonist is the advocate, the leader, or, or the champion of a particular cause or idea. Now, if you've been living on this earth for any period of time, I would hope that you have championed something. I would hope that you've taken on an idea or a purpose and you decided that, hey, I'm going to advocate for this particular cause or idea. If nothing else, you ought to be advocating for your own life for the storyline that you're living out, you ought to be an advocate for it. Nobody should be able to advocate for you better than you. got a story to tell. And you need to let the world know what the Lord has done in your life, and then you need to start advocating for the things that is pleasing to God. You know, the church needs to be, have more champions with creative ideas that will further the gospel by bringing Jesus down to where people are. In other words, by making Jesus' love visible in the earth. Now, last week, real quick, we saw Jesus use an illustration that revealed that he is the gate. Don't have time to go through that again. He is the good shepherd. And then at the end, we saw that he said he was the son of God. And so we don't have a long time to do a deep recap on that. But we do have it on demand, or you can go check it out on our podcast. I believe you'll be blessed 
by taking a quick listen to that. Amen? Now today, go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Now, Jesus teaching to his disciples and his followers, he started now to predict his suffering and death. But they did not truly understand the magnitude of what he was saying. So in chapter 13, the pace of John's writing slowed down remarkably. The first 12 chapters covers three years. The next six chapters covers one night. Now, we're not going to go through all six chapters. We're going to hit some of the things that were said on that night. Now, it was just before the Passover celebration, and Jesus was fully aware that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. So he devoted this time to instructing and encouraging his disciples. First, he shows them the greatest example of humility by performing a task that was normally reserved for a slave when he washed their feet. In fact, Peter was so outraged that he said that you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered him and said, if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter's response was, Lord, not just my feet, now that I got this revelation that I want to belong to you, I want you to wash my hands and my head. And during this exchange, Jesus confirmed what they were already calling him. In other words, they were calling him Lord and teacher. And so he made it clear that he was their Lord, somebody say Lord, and teacher. So the significant question that you have to answer today, is he your Lord and teacher? Is he your Lord and teacher? Is he your Lord and teacher? Teacher means that I take what he gives me in instruction and I believe it. Lord says I owe. There is a difference between the two. So it's not that it's an either or. This is an and. He wants to be your Lord. Let's look at this in verse 12. John 13, he says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked the question, Do you understand what I was doing? Now that seemed like a simple question. And I tell people all the time, there's nothing wrong with asking a question. Sometimes you can get more out of a situation if you just know how to ask the question. If there's something that's troubling you, something that's perplexing you, sometimes all you need to do is just ask the question. And the question don't always have to be deep or profound. You just need to know how to ask the question. Sometimes it's easy to just ask your children, do you understand what I just said? Don't assume that they know what you said and they're going to apply it. Sometimes you need to ask them, do they understand? Because if they can come back to you with understanding, then there's a good possibility they may do what you have instructed them. So it's important for us to every now and then just ask the question, do you understand? When you're in a meeting, when you're talking to people, don't take it for granted that they understand what you're saying. Sometimes you need to ask them, do you understand? Because if we can understand one another, we're going to get the right results. But sometimes we just need to ask, do you understand? what I was doing. Now look at this. From that simple question, Jesus comes back with, you call me teacher and Lord. And you are right. Because that's what I am. I'm your teacher and your Lord. But look at this. Verse 14 says, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash Now, I see in that condescending behavior. In other words, in order to condescend, you got to be on a higher level than somebody else. 
And so therefore, Jesus said, hey, every now and then, you're going to have to come off of your little horse that you ride around on, and you're going to have to come down to the level of some people that's beneath you in order to identify with them. And then he said, now look, when you condescend, that means that you sometimes do things that you would consider undignified for you to for you to do. Some things, you know, some of y'all got that high mind and there's that thing. This is beneath. This is beneath me. Somebody else ought to be doing this. This is big. And what Jesus was trying to get them to see, I'm going to do some things for you that is beneath me, but I'm willing to come down where you are to meet a need. And look here, he said, now look. He says, and since I, your Lord, and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now look at this. I have given you an example to follow. Somebody say an example. You know, when, and when I was an instructor, we taught some lessons, we call them demonstration performance. In other words, you demonstrate what you want the student to do. And so when you watch him wash feet, that means that you get an understanding that he expects you to do the same now, don't get caught up in the foot washing aspect of this. Get caught up in the humility aspect of this. And what you got to see is this. If the master would stoop down and wash feet, you being his servant or his slave, and you refuse to do that, then you are elevating yourself above the... Y'all better hear me today. And so when we do that... When we walk around with our pride and our arrogance, we are elevating ourselves above Jesus. And he's saying, now look, I want you to get this lesson that your job is to humbly serve one another and to serve people. Forget about the title. Y'all was arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And I'm going to give you an example of what greatness looked like. Greatness looked like taking on the position of a slave and doing something out of slave. Mm, mm, mm. He said, look, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Then he says, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Y'all better get that. No matter how good I think I preach, the message don't belong to me. I'm carrying a message that belongs to somebody else, and but no matter how good I sound and how, no matter how articulate I may be, I am not greater than the one who sent. You know, sometimes when people give you a message, Keisha, and you know your principal tell you to go tell somebody something, you're acting on her behalf, but you've got to always remember you're not greater than the one who sent you. No matter what God called you to do, you got to always remember you're not greater than the one who sent you, but you got to carry the message that he gave you to give. So he said, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. So that when the Lord speaks to us, preaches hard, and we claim that God has given us the message, then we must never elevate ourselves above the one who gave us the message, the one who sent us to deliver the message. And sometimes we can get caught up in our own articulation and our own abilities, and we forget about the one who... Forget about the one who sent us with the message. He says now, look at verse 17. Now that you know these things, somebody say know these things. He makes it clear that there's a difference between knowing He said, now that you know these things, God will bless you for. You don't get a blessing just because you know what's in the Bible. You don't get a blessing because you don't read what's in the Bible. You get a blessing because you do what's in the Bible. And Jesus said, look, now that I've given you this demonstration and, and this performance, then now I'm expecting you to go out and. 
See, some people took this as the installation of a foot washing ceremony where we come, and that's okay if you want to do it every now and then, and we wash people's feet. But Jesus was more concerned not about you coming in and performing a ceremony. He was concerned about you going out and serving others, not just washing their feet and then forgetting about to serve them. So we let the symbolism outweigh the act. So we can be good servants of the Lord if we never physically wash one another's feet, but our actions of humility will demonstrate that we are servant under the master. That we have condescended down to the level of people that are below us in order to serve them. See, it's easy to always want to be above folk. Talk down to folk. Look down on folk. All because you got a little something, something here and a little something, something there, and your education allow you to tie a sentence together with the right enunciation and pronunciation, and your pauses are in the right place. And you can get so caught up in you that you don't know how to condemn. And see, what we do, we condescend in a negative way. We talk down to people in a negative way instead of going down to the level that they are and talking to them face to face. In fact, if we want to do this right, we need to get down to their feet and they ought to be standing up over us. And see, I know this probably caught his disciples by surprise because they had been brought up in the culture that when you walk around with sandals on and your feet are dusty and you go to someone's house, someone had to be a servant to wash the feet of the people as they came in. And normally, I'm sure Peter will say, that's not my... You know, you know some of you don't that, you know. <laughs> you know you work on the job, you got a job description. And then all of a sudden something come up and somebody said, you need to go do this. And some of y'all bold enough say, that ain't my That ain't in my job. In other words, you telling your boss, that is below. Jesus said, you need to learn a lesson of humility. Amen. The, prop, the person who told you that probably already know. Is it not in your job description? Humility is a tough lesson to learn. But Jesus is telling his disciples it's on the way out that they got to learn this lesson of humility. I don't know where that came from. And you know, usually I guess when they start getting unions and everybody complaining about jobs, you know, this ain't in my job. This but last week we were talking about, you know, you want your works to. And I got a couple of testimonies this week. Sister Jacquees called me up talking about her works is working for her. She done got a promotion. She's a supervisor now. Her works is working, you know. My, my daughter called me back this week said, you know, her appraiser just came in, and I guess they can give you up to five now in the civil service side of the house. And, I, you know, I got a 4.98, some eight. And you know, I think that's pretty good for me right now. 4.98, okay, okay, I got you, I'm feeling you. She said, so she said, I guess my works must be speaking for me because now they got me being, going with the director out to California and normally they take somebody much higher ranking than me to go with him out there. So I guess my works must be speaking for me. And see, what I'm trying to tell you, your works will speak for you if you do the things sometimes that require you to humble yourself and go down to a lower level and elevate and let the Lord elevate you. Because he said, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due time, he will exist. I wasn't supposed to say that that long. But Jesus said, look, if you want to be blessed, you don't need to just hear what I'm saying. You need to see what I'm saying. You also need to... It is the doers of the word that's going to be blessed by the word. Now look at this. In the remainder of chapter 13, Jesus identified his betrayer. We know that was Judas. And Judas depart the scene after he, Jesus told him, go and do what you're going to do quickly. He gives his disciples a new commandment of sacrificial love. And he predicts Peter's denial. In chapter 14, Jesus becomes the great consoler and comforter. As he ministered to his disciples and in order to give them courage 
and, 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 and encouragement as he was getting ready to leave. And in this dialogue that he had with the disciples, we often quote one part of this, and it's good to quote it, but I want to put some context around it. We often quote the latter part of this exchange when we say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, he didn't start off going there. He got there because somebody didn't understand what he was saying. Somebody said, you know, made a comment, asked the question, Lord, you know, we don't know. Because we don't know, we need you to tell us. Well, let's look at what led up to that. Because at the beginning of chapter 14, verse 1, we find Jesus saying, let not your heart be that let me know that Jesus understands that life can come at you in a way that will trouble you sometime, Major. Life will come at you in a way sometime that will perplex you. Life will come at you sometime in a way that will disturb you. When life is full with uncertainty, there's the potential for your heart and your mind to be. And Jesus understands that during this time that we're living in, there are some people whose hearts and their minds are troubled right now. And he's giving them the assurance to say, hey, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? He says, because if you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, when troubled times come to you and your mind get perplexed and your heart get confused and all those things is coming at you fast and life is life is life is life. Every time you look around, there's another circumstance, another situation. He says, look to me as your source. Don't let your heart be so troubled that you get overwhelmed by life that you can no longer function in the life that you're living. So he's saying, look, let not your heart. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Then he starts talking about what we believe is heaven because he says, in my father's house are many matches. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then he's promised, I go to prepare a place for you. Then let me know that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Everybody, everybody ain't prepared to go there. But he went there to prepare a place. So he was giving them the assurance and the confidence that they need to, hey, even though I'm getting ready to depart from you and I know your heart is troubled, don't worry about it. I'm going someplace to prepare a place for And you got to believe this divine promise that I'm giving you. And when he says that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And then he said this, and where I go, you know. And the way. Now he spoke that in a statement as if they should have already known where he was headed. They should have already known where he was going. Then Thomas jumps up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Now, we done been with you all this time. Obviously, they weren't paying attention. Obviously, they went to sleep on some of the lessons that he had taught. He'd been preparing this all this time, but even his closest disciples did not understand what he was saying. Sometimes people teach you, you're going to teach them from the ninth grade to the 11th grade, and some of them rascals just ain't going to understand. You're going to say, I, I thought you got this principle when you were in the ninth grade and you took algebra one. You already supposed to know this. But since you don't know it, I guess I need to explain it to you one more time. There's some things that we have learned from this lesson in, in the book of John that you ought to know by now. But if you don't know what you need to do and you don't know who Jesus is, then you need to ask the, you need to ask the question. You know, you need to ask questions. Thomas said, look, Lord, we don't know where you are going. You know, he was speaking for everybody. We don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, Jesus come back and say what we quote all the time. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except by me. Now, Jesus was making like this is an exclusive club. It ain't but one way in it. And that's through him. And he invite everybody to come in, but everybody don't want to, don't want to come. And so what he's saying, I am the way. You know that song just got through talking about you through the lifeline. The lifeline is, and if I got the lifeline, I don't need another. I'm drowning. And you done threw me another lifeline. And then now I look up and you say, hey, I got this one, but throw two or three more in so I can have a choice. No, baby, I got the right one. Don't throw another line in to mess up this thing because all I need is the one that I So what am I getting at? When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except by me. He said, I'm the only lifeline to get you there. If a line come to you that don't come through me, you got the wrong. It's almost like somebody saying, you know, from Miami to Boston, you can get on I-95. And you can stay on I-95 and go all the way there. Well, once I get on I-95, I ain't looking for no alternate Because if I stay on I-95, I'm going to get to Boston. And so what I'm trying to tell you, once you got Jesus, I-95, why are you looking for 85, 65, 25, 35? Why are you even concerned with those other things? Because all of them need to merge. If they go into Boston, they better merge into 90. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that if Jesus is the way, if he's the truth, if he's the light, you got him, then why are you looking for an alternative? You got the one that gives you access to the Father. And so therefore, because you have him, don't look for another. Don't have a John the Baptist moment. You know, when John ended up in prison and he was a little concerned whether or not Jesus was, you know, was the Messiah, you know, he sent word to him and said, hey, look, go and ask him, are you the one or should I be looking? John, you have allowed your circumstances and situation to confuse you. You have been preaching all this time about me. I have come. And then now that you're in prison, you done lost your, you looking for another lifeline. When you already introduced the life line. Don't you all have a John the Baptist moment when times get tough in your life? Don't you have a moment say, is Jesus really the one? Is he really the star of this show? Is he really the protagonist? Or is there a... There may be somebody else out there that's on the same level that's compatible to him. Maybe I can... No. 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 Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, because that oneness that we talked about last week, for Jesus is one with the Father, he knows and he was telling his disciples, if you really understood what I have been doing and teaching to you, you will have already known that when you look at me, you see the way. When you look at me, you see the truth. You look at me, you see the light. And if you understand that, you don't need to look for nobody else. Because you already have your way back to the Father. And so what I'm trying to get you to see today, stop looking for something else. Stop looking for somebody else. Continue to love the one that you got. You know, somebody made a song about that. They would talk about it in another sense, but they, they, that, you know, part if you're with Jesus, love him. Don't be with him and then try to go love somebody. If you say you got him and he that guy, then love him. You don't need to look, you, you don't need to look no further, just love. Because he can take you where you need to go. Everything that you need is connected to And that's why when we go to John chapter 15, 
we close with Jesus teaching about the true vine and the branches. Again, Jesus knew that his physical uh, presence with his disciples was coming to an end. So he consciously filled their minds with pictures and ideas to help them survive the days that would, that would come. And his last lesson with them provided vital resources to help them grow and strengthen their faith so that they would be fruitful doing the work that they had been assigned to do. And so in order to do that, he gave them this analogy of a grapevine. And if you know anything about a grapevine, contrary to what we see in the store, a grapevine was pretty good size. And you know, it have all these branches coming off of them. And each branch can have clusters and clusters of grapes. And so what happens is, but they all have one source. Their survival is connected to one source. And as long as they're connected to that one source and, and they're taken care of in the right way, then in due time they will produce fruit. But every now and then they get disconnected. And when they get dis disconnected from the source, see the tricky thing about getting disconnected is that when you cut something away, you know some of y'all bring cut flowers home sometimes, you put them in a the little vase, drop some aspirin in there with them, and I don't care how many aspirin and Tylenol you put in there, in about a week time they dead. Why? Because they have been separated from the source. And so the devil is a deceiver. He will make you think you can live separated from the source. He'll drop an aspirin on your head and drop this on your there. But sooner or later, you're going to die. If you are not connected to the vine, you're going to die. And so what I dropped by today to tell you, you need to stay connected to the lifeline because apart from the lifeline, you cannot survive. You're not going to make it through the times that you're living in. You're not going to make it through the challenges that come in your life. You've got to be connected. And you've got to make sure you're connected to the true vine, Fabian. Not just a vine, but the tr true vine. And you know when I read this, we're going to see this. At least it don't matter whether you're a good branch or a bad branch. You know, you're going to either be cut off a cut back. So it don't make no difference where you fall, you're going to get cut. You determine whether you're going to be cut or cut. Both of them is painful. But one of them is going to bring forth more life in you, and the other one you're going to wither up and... So I, I dropped by the day to ask you, are you going to be cut off or is he just going to cut you? You need to make up in your mind whether you're on the verge of being cut off or you're just being cut back. Because when the pruning, you know, knives come and scissors come, it's painful to cut. But in the end, you got to believe that the person that is doing the cutting knows what's best for you. When I, when I did my study on this, I found out that they say the vine dressers was the most expensive job in the vineyard. You just couldn't get anybody to go out there and cause a bad cut could kill a whole. <laughs> so, so the person that do that got to know what they're doing. And I believe that that's why God left the cutting up to him. He didn't put cutting in Bolden's hand, or Lee's hand, or Latham's hand. He kept cutting and pruning in his own. Look at this. I'm in John chapter 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Now look at this. He cuts off every branch of mine. The branches belong to him, but the father cut them off. That doesn't produce fruit. In other words, if God had a, you know, the, 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 the owner of the vineyard had an expectation. He expected these grapevines to produce. And if the fruit come out rotten or don't ever produce, then he has the option to cut off. Because what happens is that thing that's not producing takes away from the ones that are. 
It takes nourishment from the ones that produce it, and it's going to something that's dying on the vine. So instead of just let it sit there and drain the good one, you got to... Maybe that's where Judas fell into this story because he had already gone. It was time for him to be... So I ask you today, you, you got a choice. Some of your family members need to know. They're going to be cut off or cut back. I mean, you, you sitting around here shouting about going to heaven in your mansion, but where your folk going to live at? You need to ask them, are you going to be cut off or cut back? He said, now look, he cuts every branch of mine. He got the authority to overstep me and cut branches that belong to that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even See, some of you may be in pruning season. You're in here today. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're just being pruned right now. You know, every now and then he's instructing you, he's rebuking you, he's correcting you, he's doing some things to you, but you're still in the in the vine. You're still connected to the true vine. You have not thrown in the towel and quit yet. You're still holding on because you understand that the pruning is going to make you better, not worse. Even though you're going through some things during this time of COVID or whatever, job situation, family situation, you're going through some things, but look at that as just a pruning of some things in your life because in the end, he wants you to be wants you to be better. He wants you to bring forth more fruit. He says, now, he says, now look, I, I keep going back to this one. He cut off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Then look at what he tells his disciples. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. What? So therefore, this Bible is supposed to cut you and purify you. Supposed to prune you and purify you. If you've been getting anything out of these messages that Jesus has been preaching, and Jesus has been saying, it should have been pruning you and purifying you. And if you've been pruned and purified, you don't have to worry about being cut off. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Say it like you know you ain't going to be cut off, man. I want to make sure I'm talking to some people who know that they're just getting pruned right now. They're not being cut off. They're just getting pruned. And so therefore, if I'm just getting pruned, God is telling me, hey, there's something else out there for you to do. There's more fruit that you can bring forth. All I'm doing is just pruning your back to make you a little bit stronger for what I have in store for you. Pruning and getting cut back. Now, and getting cut off. But he said, now, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Then now what he's telling is, look, remain in me. Some Bibles say abide in me. Remain in me, and I remain for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain. And you know what? The branch don't get a chance to eat its fruit. The good fruit that you're producing, major is not for you. The fruit that you're producing is for somebody else to look at your life and see Jesus in it, and then they can be blessed by the way you live, by the way you carry yourself, by the way you conduct yourself. So the fruit is not for you. Sometimes we get caught up and want to eat our own. You know, that's no different than you. The Lord done bless you with a gift or a talent, and all of a sudden you think it's just for you, and you sit down on it. Won't somebody come beg you to do this? And, Get down at your feet and will you please do this when you know God has blessed you to be able to do that and it ain't for you. 
If you ever get that in your mind that what God has given you and what he's blessed you with is not for you and for somebody else, then you'll change your whole attitude of how you look at the gifts and the talent that God has given you and the fruit that you're supposed to be producing. And don't look at your fruit. Don't I look good? Look at this nice cluster of grapes. It don't matter how good they look. You're supposed to be serving them to somebody you're supposed to be serving of that love to somebody else. You're supposed to be serving of that joy to somebody else, that peace to somebody else. You're supposed to be serving it up to somebody, not sit around and look at you and make it all about you and not about him. He's just producing fruit in your life so that you can be a blessing to somebody. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. It looked like that, you know, we got something to do with that. Jesus said, if you stay with me, I'll stay with you. Because I realize that you can't survive without me. I can survive without you, but you can't survive. You may, Adrian, you may, you may look like you're living for a while, but if you separate yourself from me, sooner or later, I'll come back in a week and a half, you're going to be dried up and ready to be thrown in the fire. And so when I'm trying to... You know, I almost went out and got me a vine today to just demo that for y'all, but demonstrate performance. But I figure words paint pictures, and I hope you can get the word picture that I'm trying to paint, even though I don't have no vine up here to show you. But I hope you can get it in your mind what dried up leaves look like that done fell off the tree. You know, for a couple of days, they look like they still green, got some life to them. And you may think, oh, they're going to be here for a while. But you come back four or five days later, they brown, hard, dried up. And then now what you used to going to hear when you walk on them, you step on them, crack, 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 crack. No life. So when, oh, Lord, have mercy, help me right here. I don't want to upset nobody right here. But, but if Jesus walked on you right now, that ain't in my notes. That just had to just get dropped down. That ain't in my notes. But if he just walked on you right now, would all we be hearing is snap, crackling? Because you don't just dry. No life in you. Nobody won't even be around you. You all just dry. What good are you to the Lord? All dry. You know, you don't even want to leave dried up leaves out in your yard, Major. Some of them come over you. You, I ain't even no raker. But whenever my yard get full of them, I call the guy, man, when you coming? Stop looking bad out there, man. You know, when you coming? Leaves on the ground out there? When you coming? Because they take away from a yard because I got leaves all over and they ain't green no more. So guess what? You don't want the Lord to look at you and say, hey, look. When is the reaper coming to, to rake them up and throw them in the... Because they ain't good for nothing. Jesus was talking to them as he was getting ready to leave. And he was trying to encourage them that if they stay connected with him, they could survive. But if they got separated from him, they could not survive. And so he says this in verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You know, we go from more fruit to much fruit. And when I look at that, you know, I started thinking like a farmer. You know, Rob, I think you're a farmer by nature. You don't probably grew something. But there's a difference between a crop and a bumper crop. You know, bumper crops don't come every But every now and then, you plant so much, but then you harvest and a... And what I'm trying to get some of you all to see is God is expecting some of you all to be a... A bumper crop. He don't just want your normal production. He wants you. <laughs> he wants you to get to more fruit and much fruit. He don't want you to just say, oh, I got my little ten grapes up here, my little ten cluster. He said, look here, you got the potential to have 40 grapes on your cluster. And you running around here jumping up and down. Oh, I got my little ten. 
And God is saying, look here, you got a bumper in you. And I'm trying to get you to stay connected to the vine so you can bring forth that bumper crop that's on the inside of you so that somebody else can be blessed by what I have put in I know that's going over a lot of y'all here because y'all don't think y'all got nothing in y'all to give to nobody else. But I'm just telling you, if you are one of these branches, if you are one of these branches, if you're one of these ones that he has connected to him, then you're supposed to be producing something. So we got to stay with him to the end. Each branch ought to continue to remain in Jesus and continue to bring forth fruit. Sometimes I read this to say, it could easily be talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. That's a simple analogy to connect it to. If you connected to him, look like you ought to have some love every now and then. And Keisha, every now and then, look like we ought to want to have a bumper crop of love. Some of y'all just, I, I just love her, love him, and I got a little love there. And, and God has said, now it's time for you to produce a bumper you got to love outside your normal circles. you got to start loving some folks that don't like you, that talk about you, that you can't stand. You, gotta, you, you need to start producing a bumper crop of love. Don't just give me what's the normal or the average. Every now and then you need to go above and beyond your love limitations. Then you ought to be producing some joy. Man, the world got enough sad folk in it. Folk gloom and doom, we come to church and we ain't got no. Man, it's time for some bumper crops of joy. COVID done sucked enough out of us. Bring the life back. God done been with you all this time. Come on, we're trying to bring the joy back. Bring the excitement back into serving the Lord. Whether you're at home or whether you're here in church, you ought to bring something back to let him know that, hey, my joy is back. And now I'm not, I don't just have a little bit of joy. I got enough joy that it can go around. Somebody else can get some of this joy that I got. Don't belong to me, belong to the Lord. And since he gave it to me, he expects me to share it with somebody else. You ought to have a little bit of peace now. And every now and then we ought to have a bumper crop. I know it's hard to have peace when your mind is perplexed, but he told you, hey, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And if you believe that, you ought to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. You ought to have some patience coming off you. You know, I know I'm, a, I'm an impatient person. I can't do it. Look here. I'm telling you, God is expecting you to produce some got to be patient with some folk. Especially those of you got kids. You got to be patient with them little rascals. It's going to take some time, but you just got to be patient with them. And if you can put on patience, look here, God will give you the strength to deal with your kids, deal with anything that's causing you to be impatient. Somebody else needs to see you operating in patience. And I know that's mine right there because I ain't the most patient guy. I'm a yesterday guy. You know, if I ask you for it today, I meant it, I needed it yesterday. So the staff just need to pray for me. Say, Pastor, we're going to put you on the prayer list because you need a little bit more patience with us. Because, you know, I, that's just me. Y'all got to keep praying. Gotta, I need a bumper crop and some patience. Y'all better start praying for it because right now I ain't giving me one little drop of patience here. One no, I'm, looking, I'm believing that everybody ought to be able to do it like right Put on patience. Kindness. Man, when's the last time you were kind to somebody? Just be kind. I mean, then he said goodness. And they kind of go together. I mean, how can we call ourselves Christians and we don't even know how to be kind and good? It just seems odd to call yourself a Christian and you ain't got no fruit of kindness and goodness. People just don't expect that from people who say they saved and love the Lord. They expect a little bit of kindness and goodness. Then the one who called you expects you to be faithful. Yeah. Amen. Then gentleness and self-con. All of those things are things that if we stay connected to Jesus, we can produce in our life. And when those fruits are displayed in our lives, that will draw other people to Jesus. It don't have to be a whole lot that you say. 
It's just the things that you do and how you do it, how you carry yourself. People can see the Jesus in you, and then they will want to have what you have. It's a witnessing opportunity just when you produce fruit. People will want to know, why are you producing that fruit? And Jesus said, apart from me, you can't produce nothing. Apart from the protagonist, apart from the star, apart from the good news of the gospel, apart from me, you can't do. I'm the key figure in this story. I am the one who this story is all about. And apart from me, this story don't mean nothing. I don't know how we have church and never introduce the star. I don't know how we have church and never talk about the protagonist. I don't know how we have church and the star is never introduced to the people that need him the most. Christianity is based on his teaching, not boldness teaching. And so, as I close, now let's look at this. Back in our text, let me read this again, just verse 31. So John said, but these things are written so that you, least, you, faith, may continue to believe. So my question is that, Based upon what you know about Jesus, are you going to continue to believe? Or are you going to allow life circumstances and situations to cause you to start doubt, doubting everything that you have been taught and everything that you say you believe? So he want to know, I want you to make sure that you continue to believe. Because I guarantee there are some people now that are no longer continuing to believe what they believe before this pandemic hit. There are people now who got doubts about what they've been leaving, been believing all their life, what people have been taught them, but all of a sudden they got doubts about it. And we need to reach out to some of those folks and say, do you still believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that he is the Savior of the world? Do you believe that God sent his only begotten son to the world to die for you while you were still yet a sinner? Do you still be believe that? Then do you believe that he is the son of God? That's two things. You've got to know he's the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing in Jesus, you will have life by the power of his, not Bolden, not Latham, not Fabian, not Daniels, you don't get no power from my name. The power is in his name. So therefore, that's the name that we call on. That's the name that we elevate. That's the name that we talk about, the name that we glorify. That is the name that is above every name. No other name given on earth upon men that we must be saved but the name of You know, I ain't got time to go there, but this same John, when he was on the island of Patmos, got a revelation from this same Jesus and said to write to them to let them know that they got the lifeline. And all they need to know is that I am the Alpha. I got you before you popped out the womb. And I'm going to have you all the way to the tomb. All you need is me. I am your Alpha and your Omega. I'm your beginning and I'm your end. You call on me while you're living. And when you land down on your deathbed, you just need to call on me. I'll be right there for you because I was there in the beginning and I'm going to be there in the end. And no matter where you find yourself in between, just remember I am the I'm the bright and morning star. Everything's fine because of me. Everybody get light because of him. Our light comes from him. He is the bright and morning. Somebody say he's the rose of terror. He's everything that you need. When you need it, how you need it, he can give it to you. Therefore, you ought to give him some praise. You ought to honor him. You ought to glorify him knowing that he is yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! You are my Alpha and my Omega. You are the beginning of my life, and God, you're going to be there with Jesus at the end of my life. Hallelujah! 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 And because I believe that, and because you believe that, you ought to be able to have joy in this life, 
You don't need to wait to get to heaven to have your peace. You need to experience it here on earth. There's something God wants you to experience here and now. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. I want you to have it right now. You don't have to die to get peace in your life. You don't have to die to get joy in your life. You ought to have some of that right. Hallelujah. Because you know the Alpha and the O. Hallelujah. You connected. You got the lifeline. Don't let Jesus go. No matter what come in your life, don't let go of Jesus. Things may come against you. Things may challenge you. But don't let go of the lifeline. If you stay connected to him, you'll survive the storm that you're going through. You'll survive the trouble that's coming in your life. Just stay connected. Stay connected to him. Stay connected to him. Stay connected to him. Stay connected to him. This story is all about him. It ain't about Bolden and nobody else. It's all about I can't save you. He did. I can't take nothing. All I am is the messenger. And for me to change his message, to try to look like salvation come through me, I would not be loyal to the one. I would not be acting like a slave to the one who sent me. Hallelujah. I'm through preaching. I'm through. Get the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for being a lifeline. We thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. We thank you for being the Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Even if you're online. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have several appeals. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're in the house or you're online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your lifeline, you're not connected to him, I want to extend the invitation for you right now to say, yes, Pastor, I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and my teacher. I want to be and know more and more about him. If that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online, just please give us a call here at the church, 850-862-3899. If that is you and you're in the house, just please raise your hand and someone will get information from you. Hallelujah. I see no hands in the house. If you're online, please call that number. My second appeal is for church membership. If you're here and you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of God is saying, striving for perfection ministry is a place for you. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online and the Lord is speaking to your heart in the same way, please give us a call. Or you can send us an iMessage, and we'll make sure that we get in contact with you. If that is you and you want to be a part of this body, we would love to have you being a part of this, this body. But we desire to serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. Then my third appeal is for prayer. If you're here, or you're standing or sitting at your seat and you got a prayer concern, I ask that you just make your request known to God at this time. Let him know what your concerns are. If you, if you just want to give him a praise in your prayer, lift that up to him right now. As I pray, I pray that God will hear your prayers, answer your prayers. Again, by Jesus giving you access, you really don't need Pastor Bolden for this part. You have access to the Father now. You are connected to God. The veil to the temple has been rent. So therefore, you can get to the holies of holies on your own. You can get there with your prayers. You can get into his presence because Jesus died to give you that access. So I just ask, lift your concerns up to the Lord. Make your petitions and your requests known to him. And believe that he will hear and answer your prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak to their heart right now, God, by your spirit. Speak to their hearts right now, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for this lesson that we have gone through. Jesus, the protagonist. And God, we thank you for all the revelation that we have seen about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the light, being the light of the world, being the savior of the world, being the true vine, being the bread of life. 
He's everything that we need. And so, God, we thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for him being here with us and for us. And we thank you, God, that he promised us the comforter, that he will send the Spirit to be here to teach us and guide us and lead us to all truth. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we just ask that you allow us to operate in the system that we have on the inside of us. That Holy Spirit can continue to strengthen us, can continue to encourage us, continue to comfort us, can continue to correct us and convict us if we allow him so that we can stay connected to the source. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and minds of your people. For those who have lost loved ones, God, I pray that you continue to minister to them. Those who are in the midst of some serious trials with loved ones, God, I pray that you give them the comfort and peace as only you can because you are the God of all comfort. And so therefore, God, I thank you for what you're going to do in advance. And God, for those who have praise reports and those who have testimonies about how they have been blessed, God, I ask that you continue to bless them and let them be a blessing to others. And Father, when it's all said and done, we do all this just to give praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Say amen again. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will.